You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Royals Padres podcast crossover. I'm your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Royals. And joining me is the dancing Javier Reyes. Follow him on Twitter at Jalapeno. And check out the Lockdown Padres Twitter account, YouTube account, Spotify, Apple Podcast, all that fun stuff. On today's show, we're going to discuss how to build a baseball team. I think that these two teams have done it in completely, totally, and extremely opposite ways. Which way do we side with? And how we would personally build a team? And what are all the options out there for teams to explore and for teams to try? That's all coming up on today's Lockdown Royals podcast. Javi, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, Ryland. I'm doing fantastic. And some viewers may be seeing me looking at my phone a lot. Don't worry. It's for very important reasons, such as me fighting people about how the Fast and Furious movies rule. <laughs> and why that they're really great and fun. And I think it's uh, kind of dumb to hate on movies like that. But um, yeah, man, do it pretty good. Um, I know on my last episode ranted about Dick Monfort being being a fool. And now we're going to be talking about in a similar vein, almost just the process. You know, I know you and your your thunder are currently in the middle of a process. Right. And I know especially you and your Royals, which we're going to talk about, are in, are in a, a process. The question is whether or not you're trusting it, because if you do trust it, could you end up like the Padres? I don't know. Is it possible? Maybe. Anything's possible these days. But um, yeah, man, I, I'm doing pretty good, all, all things aside. Um, Offseason is long, though. Uh, I feel like we were carried for a good amount because of all the free agency like transactions and whatnot. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, the Korea saga was gave us at least three weeks of content. You know what I'm saying? Like We still got that. That was really fun. And basically, it's just one month. We've got one month. I'm actually in the middle of writing a piece on Drake's profile right now. But aside from him, not many free agents left. And we got one month and then March. Oh, yeah. That's when things kick back up again. In in general, things kick back up again. Uh, but especially with baseball because you got the World Baseball Classic. But I'm ranting a lot. I'm not even ranting. I'm just kind of speaking into a void. So I feel I feel like you should speak. What are we going to talk about with the, with the good folks today? <laughs> Well, the good thing is that's how pod, that's how podcasts work, Javi. So I'm glad that that's you just fair, described fair. our job title. But uh, you're right; it, it's it's the awkward phase of the off season. It's like whenever you try to grow your hair out really long, and at, at, at some point you've got to deal with that ugly phase, and you got hope to to all the higher powers that you have nothing important happen that, during that phase. Uh, right now, it yeah, it's 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 there. It's almost there. The trucks are getting packed. We're almost in Surprise, Arizona. We're almost in whatever the Arizona town that the Padres play in is called, but not quite. And so it's just kind of in that middle ground. Javi, on today's show, we're going to discuss team building strategies. I think that these two teams have done this completely opposite. Is either one of them right? Is there different options besides what we've seen from these two teams? And which one would we personally employ if we were employed by a baseball team? Javi, I want to let you start this topic off because... We really got together on this topic because of the rant that happened yesterday on your Mm -hmm. show with the Colorado Rockies owner. So give the bullet points and we'll send them to the full show uh, for your full rant. But as you take a swig, give us your bullet points of uh, what's happened so far. 
look, the thing with, with Dick Montfort, again, which I've been saying for a while, one of the things, I, I kind of dropped the bar, to be honest, the other day, because one of the things I don't like about, um, you know, the this idea of of rebuilding sometimes is that it's like the the right strategy and that it's the only strategy and people don't realize like all these different factors whether it be some media narratives that are a little bit as sorts whether it be literally from the owner themselves it's like you know who always will benefit from rebuilding in the way of prospects the owner because they're not going to spend money you know what i'm saying so there's already this immediate bias so i think it's hilarious oftentimes when people don't realize like what's going on here that essentially a company is trying to tell you we should actually spend less for labor right so that, that's that's one thing not to get too on the political side of things but hey that's sports um they're intertwined but um the other thing is just in general with with dick monfort just how just factually wrong he was right like just in the sense that yeah the padres have all these superstars in their lineup of course there's holes there's holes on every team except sometimes the Dodgers like there's holes on every team and I think the idea that just because they might not win means that you shouldn't be going for it of course he's gonna say that he would he doesn't want to spend you know what I mean so that's the end of that and not to mention when he did spend he stunk at it you know what I mean he got like negative war from all of his relievers brought Daniel Murphy and Ian Desmond in to play first base Ian Desmond who was a, a an okay player who hit for a decent amount of power transitioned to being an outfielder from a shortstop and then they were like okay let's count on him being able to learn another position at first base so they're just not a very well-run um, organization but in fairness for a good long time neither were the Padres I don't think that they were in the same clown car buffoonery of the Rockies I don't think that they were always necessarily there but they were one of those teams that were certainly in perpetual rebuild Right. Basically, ever since 06 and even even after that, like even after that last time, like they were like an OK fringe team. And then they had the, the epic collapse. I think it was 2010, if I'm not mistaken, um, when they lost a bunch of games. And then you went into like a decade of sadness, essentially, until 2020 when things finally turned around. And there's a bunch of reasons for that. They kind of have the Padres have a fascinating hybrid of the way they rebuilt with both prospects and then giving up those prospects pretty immediately uh, in order to acquire star talent. They aren't, say, the Astros. They aren't, you know, the Dodgers to a certain extent. There aren't some of these other great teams, the Braves, right, like where a lot of their current talent is people that they raise in their farm. And in the case of the Braves, they just immediately extended those guys. So it's, it's really a fascinating kind of situation with how the Padres rebuilt and also considering how many mistakes they made, which I'm going to touch on as we go longer than this podcast and then we've got the royals who in fairness do have a world series to show for it so i can't roast them too much if there is any roast about the royals on this here podcast i feel like it has to come from you yeah i I think that there is roasting about the royals i think that there is no right way to rebuild the team necessarily but there is a wrong way i think that there is a wrong way and the wrong way is holding on to your guys too long I think that that's what happened in Kansas City, where you know you held on to Hosmer, held on to Kane, held on to Gordon, held on to all these guys, and 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 for sentimental purposes, that's awesome. Uh, but you got nothing back to to catapult you into the next era of baseball. Whenever you saw Kane leave, when you saw Hosmer leave, when you saw Moose you know, in his awkwardness, remember if you remember the first time he had a free agency, nobody wanted him. Somehow he came back yeah, on a one-year deal. Weird. 
<laughs> set the set the Royals' home run record than with the Cincinnati. Nonetheless, though, uh, you know you, you didn't really see any return for that great core. The one time you made a move of that ilk, it was Wade Davis for Jorge Soler, and Soler eventually panned out. But like those first couple of years, he was not very good. And then, of course, for the back half of those years, Wade Davis was not any good, or at least not up to his standard. But holding on to your guys too long is a, is a bad way to do business in baseball. I think that with this Royals team, the way they're rebuilding will change starting this year and has changed already. And the way that the, that the Padres have built a team over the last three years has changed from what it's been before um, Mr. Preller came to, to, came to town. We're going to talk about both those things and which one we side with more coming up. But first, I want to say right now, but our good friends over at FanDuel. FanDuel is incredible. Javi, go there right now, FanDuel.com slash locked on. If you want to see how you should be betting on the big game, we're talking the Super Bowl. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, folks, that's even better because you have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download the FanDuel app right now, and you can go to Super Bowl 57 tab and make a no sweat first bet play. You're going to get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if you do not win. What can be better than that? There's not going to be a deal better than that that you can find as you can bet on the money line, point spread, player props, who will, win, who will score the first touchdown, who will win MVP, all that good stuff. Javi, obviously for your football team, not the ending in the postseason that you wanted, but for my football team, all the way to the Super Bowl. How about that? The Chiefs right now are looking pretty juicy in the Super Bowl. And you can also bet on the next season already. Who will have the – who will have the uh, – Really? You know, MVP for next season, which is just wild to me to bet on next season. Uh, but for me, I love I love the the more off the wall bets. Mm. And when I say off the wall, it's not that crazy if you're a true better. Like I love the fact you can bet on who the first overall pick's gonna be. Like mm. why? What how can you bet on the NFL draft? But you can at FanDuel. And right now, Bryce Young is the favorite to be the first overall pick. Go check out FanDuel right now at Fandle.com slash locked on. Make the moment more. We're back on Locked On Royals and Locked On Padres to discuss team building strategies. And Javi, before we do that, thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day we're here for you talking baseball, Royals and Padres. But for your second listen, where should they go, Javi? They should go to the Lockdown MLB Prospects podcast because... Because, um... You know, that boy, that boy, Lindsey Crosby, he knows what he's talking about, man. You want prospects? And especially if you're, say, you know, maybe some people who are watching this show, they relate to the whole rebuilding thing. Well, when you're rebuilding, you have prospects, hopefully, God, right? So so go check out that podcast if you want to learn about the potential next Tatis, you know, the next Bobby Witt, dare I say, just to give a little bit of Royals love. Go check that out, man. Love Lindsay. He was on my podcast uh, last week. Spoiler alert. He's going to be on my podcast this week. So synergy there from, from both of us. Lindsay Crosby is simply him as the kids say. <laughs> well done. Well done. Well done. And just to continue to boast about Lindsay Crosby, great college baseball follow. Also, he follows college baseball really closely. Of course, it helps him prepare for the draft. And then he follows the actual prospects that are already in the, 
your systems very closely as well. Right now he's going through and reviewing every single farm system. So you can just go check out the, you know, West system already if you're a Padres fan. And I, I hate to peel back the curtain. I'm not sure if Lindsay has already. His Royals one will drop on Saturday. So there's a good chance by the, by the time you're listening to this, you can just go check out your team's prospect review. Now, Javi, explain to me the way that the Padres have built this team that we're going to see this season, and then I'll do the same for you, and then we'll kind of can merge on what they could, we could do better and, and kind of settle on how we would build a team. Absolutely. Look, the Pod, it's been all over the place, and what I think is so fun about the Padres is, like I said about them being a hybrid, there was a certain point, and when I say this, I'm not necessarily the biggest like ultimate prospect guy. I'm not talking in terms of like my strategy and what I prefer from a team. I just tend to not follow farm systems that much because it's just a thing of mine. Look, I got a lot of things I'm doing out here. You know what I'm saying? So I don't, I don't always know about farm systems and stuff, but from everybody that I've heard and trusted, the Padres basically had at one point, maybe 2016, 2015, maybe a little bit after that or before that, like one of the great farm systems in the history of baseball. Right. And I'm not just talking about because of, you know, that that 18-year-old that they picked up in the J James Shield um, trade, who's currently a bobblehead that's hanging out right over here that you guys can check out in the link um, to the episode. I think that it's, it's so funny because they have one of these all-time kind of systems that everybody's super excited about. And a lot of those players ended up being pretty damn good. So it ended up being true, but it's not – the current Padres team is not good because of that. It's because they traded those assets and moved around and whatnot and also mixed it with a whole lot of signings, right? So let's let's start at 2015, right? You go to 2015, this guy A.J. Preller comes in. And I still remember, and I bring up this, this on my podcast, this is when I started, like, following very lightly the Padres. It was when A.J. Preller got in because he made those insane trades for a team that wasn't really all that competitive, that had a crazy farm and came in there and did something that the Padres have basically never done. I know that they made some big trades before in the past, but like big name trades, right? And they did that. Maybe the last time they did one was, I don't know, Goose Gossage, right? Like that was like one of the last ones they did maybe, you know, so they do that. And they trade for Matt Kemp, former MVP. They go out and get Craig Kimbrell at the time. And for years after that, the best closer in baseball, right? They go out and get Will Myers. They go out and get Justin Upton. You know, Justin Upton is a, a fine borderline all-star player, very consistent player, um, and formerly a really high prospect himself who, you know, good player, hits for power, has a decent amount of speed. And everyone was looking at that saying, what the heck are you doing? You're not, you can't just build this like a fantasy team. And it turned out to be true, right? They started off kind of decent and they were a little bit exciting, but then eventually it was like, there's just too many holes on this team. You can barely name a single starting pitcher on this team with the exception of maybe Andrew Kashner. So they have to hit the hard reset, right? And I think that is my number one thing that is the most underrated about the AJ Preller tenure. The dude has made a lot of whiffs, a lot of whiffs, the type of whiffs that go look at, you know, the Braves right now and what i mean by the braves is alex anthopoulos of the atlanta braves kind of got gun shy after missing on a couple trades and then 2021 happened and then he kind of got back into it he traded for jorge solar and, and now they're making all these big moves right then they trade for matt Olson, but he was a little gun shy aj preller you would think after missing on those big trades and giving up farm system assets and one of them being trey turner who ends up becoming a, a, a an mvp candidate with the uh nationals and dodgers that you'd think, oh, no, they're just going to hoard and they're going to, you know, keep all the prospects forever and then figure it out later. 
No, instead he goes out and signs Eric Hosmer. The year after, he signs Manny Machado. They're trading for Trent Grisham. They're trading for Tommy Pham. Like, really highly regarded players for the most part. Um, especially, I, I know Pham is uh, known for other things these days. But, like, you know, they trade for a lot of guys. They trade for Mike Clevenger. Speaking of guys known for other things, don't want to get into that. But at the time, they trade for a guy, Mike Clevenger, who's one of the best ERA guys in baseball, right? You have all these different moves. And it's just so funny that Preller was just like, I'm, I want players now enough is enough. And they built this, this team that is full of all stars. And while yes, it is not homegrown talent. The reason they were able to get it, they curated so many great prospects in the first place. And and again, it's such a fascinating thing because they have Bogarts and Manny and whatnot, but Tatis and Darvish and Blake Snell, Josh Hader is on this team, which I still keep forgetting. I don't know about you, but I keep forgetting that Josh Hader's on it's really weird like it i think it's because the soto trade happened that as a result you know what i mean it was just no one's gonna remember that trade deadline for that um but like this is an elite level reliever and he struggled and hopefully he's you know gonna keep what he um did in the postseason and at the end of the season that he's gonna be back to being an elite closer but that's kind of what's so fun about the Padres is they reloaded every time like there are many teams that they whiff on that trade and it felt like oh man that was it Right. The Boston Red Sox seem to be in one of those situations right now where they traded away Mookie Betts and every Boston fan I know is like, that was a mistake. Three years later. Oh, my God, that was even bigger of a mistake than we thought. So and it almost feels like they're not going to recover. A lot of teams make take that swing and don't recover. And the Padres deserve a lot of credit and Preller and, and the farm system and, and coaches deserve a lot of credit even now. Everyone's saying, oh, I don't know, maybe Jackson Merrill, he's rising in the prospect rankings. Dylan Lesko's rising in the prospect rankings. Who knows? Maybe at the end of the year, all of a sudden, they will at least have not a, not what it used to be, but at least a farm that you could maybe trade away from again. You know what I'm saying? To eventually, you know, kind of uh, fix any needs at the trade deadline. That's why I think is so excited about this Padres team. And, you know, this is a lot of me talking, so I'm going to give you some thoughts on what I've said in a second. But I think that's what it is. The Padres with AJ Preller are a team that basically every single year since he took over has made a move. And even when it was a miss with your Clevenger types, with your Adam Frazier types, with signing Eric Hosmer, it didn't stop them. And I think there is a lot of lessons to be learned there, both about managing and building a baseball team and also having ownership that is like, you know what? All right, let's still, let's still keep going with this. Cause we're also like the only one of the only professional sports teams in San Diego. So maybe we should and try and capture this audience. So, you know, it's, it's a lot, but they've done it. And I know that they haven't won everything, but it's still, uh, it's really cool to see. And I think baseball needs more teams like this. I think that they do. I think that they need more teams that are consistently in the game and consistently kind of in the hunt. Uh, I think that for the Royals, this question has changed over the last few weeks. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's start back with what it's been up until this point. Up until this point, it's been Dayton Moore, and it's been um, a mismanagement, I believe, because the Royals cannot spend the way that other teams can, so they're not going to be able to uh, to go and fill their team up and and uh, you know make splashes in the free agency market. But the Royals have also not been shrewd. They've not been like the Rays. They've not been like the Cleveland team. They've not been like these teams like Oakland, who will trade away a beloved figure like Evan Longoria, but in return, they get back five more years of success, six more years of success. They've been more calculated and more um, business 
family first versus, hey, we that we just want to we just want to win. Don't care about who the fan favorite is. Don't care about whose jersey you buy because you know what sells. What sells is winning games. Like in the long run, winning games is what matters. Like you think Cleveland cares that their team on paper never looks any good and on paper it never uh, looks overwhelming. No, because they're going to get to watch, uh, you know, October baseball. Did that stop them from selling out their stadium this this October? Did that stop them from that SpongeBob guy becoming a viral meme? No, <laughs> they, they got to the world. They got to the uh, to the postseason, and, and and they and they flourished. They got to the World Series in 2016 against, against the Cubs, and I mean, like they just had chance after chance after chance to to go and win it. Now the Royals actually did win it, but the thing is, the Royals didn't learn their lesson from them. The lesson from the Royals winning World Series. There's a lesson from every team winning one. You can take different things and ideas from each team. The lesson from the Royals was just worry about getting in the playoffs. Those Royals teams should have lost every round that they were in. They weren't dominant. They should have lost the wild card game. They should have lost, you know, the the, the series to the Astros. They should have lost the series to the to the Blue Jays. They should have lost to the Mets, even even though you won the won the World Series in five games. There are different moments that could have turned the series that the Mets did not capitalize on. That should show you all you got to do is get in. There's more playoff spots now than ever, and then let baseball take care of itself. There's hardly ever a juggernaut team that they might compile 105 wins in the regular season. They'll lose in the first round of the playoffs because that's just baseball. That's just how baseball goes. So get in, and let's see if you can get hot at the right time. And, and the Royals didn't learn that lesson. They, 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 they held on to their guys too long. They didn't make moves to set themselves up for the future and for sustained success. Then they tried to rebuild. And... I'll give Dayton Moore a little credit here. I think that his rebuild model did change from what it was way back when. He focused more on pitching. The problem is he drafted pitchers that suck. Like, like as of, as of right now, that entire draft class that was chock full of college pitchers, only one of them turned out any good so far in Brady Singer. The rest of them suck. And if you do that, you're not going to have success, period, in the, in the small market. Now, here's where it's changing. I think that the Royals, with J.J. Piccoli at the helm, hiring away... Kevin Cash's bench coach to be your uh, to be your manager. He already bringing in guys like Ryan Yarborough as your big flashy signing, trading away guys like you know uh, you know Mondesi to kind of usher in a younger, different core. I think that from now on, from this offseason forward, the Royals will operate like the Rays do. They're going to operate as these guys are just numbers. It's just, can they win games? Can we put them in spots to win games or not? And in a small market, you have to. You can't overwhelm guys. If Bobby Wood Jr. becomes a Hall of Fame player, he's not staying in Kansas City, folks. He's going to sign somewhere else. So how do you maximize these six years around him? Now down to five after last season. How do you maximize these five years? And if you want to play the shrewd game, it's really four because you're going to trade him before he walks in free agency. So like, how do you build this team in the most efficient way possible? I think that this Royals squad will um, look to do that, and I think that they are going to that they're going to start looking a lot more like Tampa Bay and looking a lot more like Cleveland, and that's the only path to success when you do not have a Mets ownership group, when you do not have a Padres ownership market finance group. Dodgers, same thing. You've got to draft really well. You've got to make tough decisions and trade away fan favorites and, and, and bite the bullet for the time being. And then you've got to win and sustained success is better than one world series every 30 years. The world series is great, but baseball is so much about entertainment more so than other sports. 
baseball is every day. It's all summer long. And if you string together five more years of god-awful baseball as the last five years have been, no one's going to care. Already, people don't care because the Chiefs are incredible. Patrick Mahomes is incredible. And they're right across the parking lot. So why would I go to a game in July when I could go to St. Joe's and watch Patrick Mahomes practice? Why would I go to a game in June when I can Patrick save that money, practice. save that Wow, things are deep dire over in Kansas City. I'd rather go watch this dude practice than watch the Royals play. That's wild. But I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, come on. It, it's true, though. Like, I'd rather go do that. Why would I go? If, 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 if money's even more tight than that, why would I go to a game in June, pay $50 to park, go watch the Royals get thumped, when I could just save that money, save that travel expense, save that trip out to Kauffman, and put it away toward going to one regular season football game. Let me ask you, Javi, as someone who has seen the, the Royals play baseball and has seen the Chiefs play football, would you rather go to five Royals games this summer or go to zero, but you get to go to a Chiefs game? Well, I will say that I'd probably do Chiefs because my favorite football team is a divisional rival. So that's probably the direction I would go. But even if that weren't the case, I don't know, actually. I, there's something to be said. I will, I will just to be devil's advocate. There's something to be said about watching football games, low key, like going to the stadium on a Sunday, low key. Like, I don't, I don't know, man. Like, it's just the, the, the product is really great on TV, but just in a vacuum. Yeah. I mean, if just the football is a lot more exciting in the sense that you're just like, yeah, this could be our year. And you can, and you're not just saying that a lot of teams, yeah, but specifically football, this team's football, like this, yeah. yeah this football team compared to the product of baseball. Cause Javi, we can go have beers outside at, at, at the Plaza in Kansas city at power and light district. If we just want to sit around and have the ambiance of a baseball game, sit outside of the brewery and watch a baseball game on TV. Like the, the ambiance and like the good vibes around baseball, they don't mean anything. Whenever you lose a hundred games every single year, they just don't, they start to, <laughs> they start to mean less and less and less. And this is a sports city that will always thrive. That will always get behind their teams. That will always, um, show up and they and they market themselves as a sports city that's getting a World Cup, that's getting the NFL draft, that has the Chiefs as a Super Bowl contender every single year. But what are they apathetic about? The Royals. Like, no one cares. And that's when things get dangerous for a small market team. So it has to change. And to their credit, it's changing. To their credit, they've done everything right so far. They got a new owner. They ousted Dayton Moore. They fired their pitching coach, who everybody hated. They ousted Mike Matheny and didn't go hire a retread manager, Bruce yeah. Bochy type. They hired a young, innovative, uh, ahead of the curve Shut type of boy. <laughs> a young, innovative young manager. Mm -hmm. So to their credit, so far they've done everything right this off season, but it's already setting in as too little, too late. They've got to get this going, and I think that they will. But uh, I think that the Royals' strategy is going to be mainly predicated to, to to mirror Oakland, mirror Tampa Bay, mirror Cleveland. And you might have to take a step backwards to take a step forward, given the predecessor's terrible draft. Like, had Daniel Lynch hit, had Jackson Cohort hit, had Asa Lacey hit. By the way, Asa Lacey, I don't even know where he's at. I don't, I don't know if he's a human being at this point. You know, had they hit, things change. But if they don't hit this year, if, you, if we're sitting here next year at the same time before spring training and saying, Daniel Lynch sucks. Jackson Coar sucks. Asa Lacey sucks. If we're saying these same things, you have to take a step backwards to take a step forward. 
if those pitchers take a step forward themselves, then it's a different conversation. But I think that the Royals, while being so terrible before, are now finally heading in the right direction, Javi. And in fairness, there were some cool moments last year, right? This is I don't I actually think that the Royals are in I'm not gonna say a great great position, but there are certainly worse ones. Detroit, it doesn't even look like they have a single player that you could be excited about. The Rockies, who we've talked about a lot, right? Um, teams like who's what's what's the NL Central? What's that team I'm thinking of right now? No, not the NL Central. You know, like Miami. Miami's a little bit rough right now. Like the Royals, you got MJ Melendez. You still got Salvi. You have um, Vinny Pascantino. Like you Nick said, with Prado, Brady Center, yeah. Nick Prado. Hey, Nicky Lopez can play some good defense. It's at least like a watchable team, but you have to bring it to that next tier. Instead of, there's a difference between being like, oh, year one of the rebuild. We were a fun little team or year two it's oh god year three it's like eventually you have to be like okay but we have to like win now you know what i mean the hipster thing that like you and i get into right it's like i know you cover the nba those like hipster teams that are just fun to root for you know you're, they're not going anywhere but they're kind of fun you can only rely on that i think so long uh and only from your most diehard fans in baseball because the season is so long right the Padres have had plenty of hipster teams I would say uh, for sure. Right. That 2015 team was kind of a hipster team in a lot of ways. It wasn't going to win anything, but it was fun. Um, so yeah, for sure. I, I, I agree. It's going to be interesting because like you said, with all those pitchers, basically none of them hitting aside from singer, it's rough. And it also shows you, and it's a great reminder that just based on the law of averages and probability, like you're not going to hit on 10 prospects. You'll hit on like three and then maybe you can use two for a trade. Like that's valuable. Don't get me wrong. Even if it's just to package them and move them around, but you can't rely on somehow being the first team ever that comes out. It's like, wow, we got 10 all-stars. That part. Like it's just, it just does not happen. And that's just how it works. Right? Like this is how life and everything works. So, Hey, but Hey, you never know. Look, there's some talent there, man. There's some talent there. And also, also much less, uh, terrifying division than many uh, arguably the worst division in baseball is the AL central. Um, and also you have um, with the Padres, you have, you have kind of like the murderers row. It's like Elden ring over in the NL West right now. It's just four gigantic juggernauts. Like it's, it's pretty nuts out here, man. I, I really believe that this Royal season can be interesting and can be fun because the division is not great. However, the Royals, now don't get quite that advantage because of the flattened schedule and all that good stuff about changing the division format. But if we complained, this is what I've been saying in the podcast. We can't have complained all last year, which we did about the kids aren't playing enough. Mike Matheny's too old to manage this team. The pitchers only suck because the pitching coach sucks. And then when they fix all those problems now still complain, we've got to give them a fair shot. They've hired a, who I think will be a good manager They've hired a new pitching coach who will get a new set of eyes, a new set of tips for these young, impressionable, and still growing pitchers. Let's see if it can work. Let's see if it can uh, hit the ground running. Because honestly, you rattle off a lot of talent there. Like on paper, it's not going to pop out to like the casual MLB fan. But like there's a world, and this of course would be highest ceiling, best case scenario, craziness happening. But there's a world where Bobby Witt Jr. breaks out and looks a lot like Jeremy Pena last year looks a lot like the impact that Julio Rodriguez had last year. Looks a lot like the impact that Ali Rushman had last year, which he was supposed to do and just didn't quite get to that level. He still played good, but didn't quite get to that level. Mm -hmm. There's a world where MJ Melendez breaks out. There's a world where you have Pascantino and 
Prado and Massey all breaking out. There's a world where Nate Eaton actually is really good. Like there's a world where all these things come together, not to mention one of those previously bad pitchers popping. Remember last year, Brady Singer didn't pop until June. And so like yeah. we haven't seen a full season of a a Brady season, Singer man. pop yet. It's a very long season. And the bullpen, surprisingly, has still always been pretty good. And so if if three of the four guys pop, then this team looks a heck of a lot different and looks a heck of a lot uh, a better record-wise. So it can happen. It really can. It's just a matter of are you willing to put yourself out there to get hurt again? Now, Javi, let's end the show with, with going full circle. I put you in the GM seat. Mm. Ideal world. You've got, your, you've got your ideal ownership. You've got your ideal market. How would you build a team? I think there's an argument to be made that the Padres have almost gotten a little bit too splash trigger happy. What I mean by that is, and I'm not saying this isn't my opinion. I don't, I'm kind of undecided on it. Would it have been better to say, go and sign Nate Uvalde, maybe another, maybe another okay back end starting pitcher, whatever, and then go sign someone like Michael Conforto instead of just going out and getting like a Bogarts. I know that there's other things they did more re-signing Robert Suarez. They went out and got Matt Carpenter. But my, my thing is, is is are the Padres a little bit too like they look at that golden idol like Raiders of the Lost Ark and they're looking at it and they're like oh man I want Xander Bogarts and they don't look at some of those other talents out there some of the less obvious ones I actually think Michael Conforto was like the worst kept secret in baseball I think every single team wanted that guy nobody was scared off by the off year I think everyone knows he's going to be great but a Mitch Hanniger right that's a that's a good example like those those good free agents but not the ones that freak everybody out and those pay dividends. Um, Anthony Rizzo, good example that just popped in my head because um, he's a former Padre as well. Like kind of a below the radar, like whatever signing that the Yankees made last year. He was a super, super slugger for them this year, partially because of the short porch. But still, it mattered when they made that signing for DJ LeMahieu. Solid player out of Colorado. Bring him to Yankee Stadium. He's a borderline MVP for two years, right? So like I think that they should look at not just the stars, of the market, right? When you trade for a Snell and a Darvish, or maybe you look at, oh, you know what? Let's go and trade for like that that kind of undervalued pitcher, right? Let's go for someone like a Herman Marquez came to mind, right? Like just a name that is a solid player that might have room to improve. That's where I think I would go with the Padres. Just be a little bit more careful and maybe not go all in on these giant top guys, specifically because you already have them. If the Padres didn't have a Tatis and a Manny, and a Soto, then I would be like, yes, go after a Xander Bogarts. Get that tentpole anchor superstar. Every team should be doing that every year. Looking at you, Milwaukee, right? Like, you should do that. But, hey, you go and sign the, the tertiary pieces when you already have those superstar free agents. I do think the Pirates maybe should do that. We're going to see. Xander Bogarts might go out here and be just – a seven win player and they're going to have Manny at six wins and Soto by projections at eight wins, whatever. Right. Like, and then it's going to be like, you idiot, who cares about depth? <laughs> we're making this the NBA where it's like, we're just going to have a super team and we don't give a crap. Who's our sixth man. We're just like, go out there and, and play. It's possible. I think that that may be the one criticism I do have to the Padres sometimes get a little bit too trigger happy. And you even saw it at last year's deadline. They trade for Soto. That was a hit, you know, hater, a little bit of a mixed bag. He was great later on. But then Josh Bell and Brandon Jury, they were uh, not so great. Maybe did you have to go after those guys? I don't necessarily know. They get a little bit trigger happy sometimes. So I don't know. But again, that's me 
doing my best to provide a devil's advocate perspective because they really have done basically as much as you could do correctly considering the earlier history I mentioned with the Padres being very, basically being what the Royals are, right? They would not spend money. They would not go out and make the big splash. They just relied on prospects. So they deserve a lot of credit for transforming their outlook and just their culture uh, all in San Diego. I think you're, I think you're muted, mate. Yeah, I was there, mate. Thank you for that <laughs> insight, Peter Moylan. I really appreciate that. But, uh, I think there's a lot of truth to what you're saying there. And I think that the way that I would build a team. Okay. Ideally, the way I'd build a team is like the Dodgers. We're like, okay, you have the market, you have the ownership to go spend a ton of money, but you also make moves on the margins to allow yourself that margin of error to go spend the splashy money, but you make it up by saving on this position or saving on that player and kind of balance out your sheet that way. Uh, if I didn't have the ideal world like that, which only one team or two teams do, the Rays are the model to me because you, you're going to break through eventually. I know it was a COVID season, whatever. You're going to get to a couple of world, you know, world series in 2020, like, like they did back in the, in the early aughts, like they did. You're going to get to some world series and, and you get there, you might win some. And, and so I think that you give yourself enough bites at the apple to try to win a world series and it pays dividends in the end. But Javi, any final thoughts for yet another great crossover? Not much, man. Look, I'm excited for this season. And I, I just think that, Baseball, I really do feel like while we have been, we were really critical of the sport and we have been in the past, whenever we do crossovers and we talk, you're talking about the Chiefs and basketball and football, right? Like, I do think baseball has actually gotten a little bit better. I think baseball culture has improved. I think that the, if we want to talk unwritten rules, they've gotten better at that. And I think that just overall, there there is some stuff that they are doing right. And we've got the base, the World Baseball Classic to look forward to. If you want to just see, like, if you're someone who hates the way everybody's so straight-laced in MLB, watch the World Baseball Classic. Especially watch, you know, you watch Puerto Rico, you watch Japan. All these teams are great, and it's so much fun uh, to watch. And it'll be a great, like, kind of lead into the MLB season. I think it's going to be a blast. Um, I'm really excited, and I think that um, baseball can still be very, very good. Yeah, the teams are great, and, and along with that, the fan bases, like the fan bases, like the chance, the the ways to make noise, like it's it's all it's all so awesome. So a lot to look forward to. Uh, Javi, thank you for joining us again. And until next time, be good, be good, chilling out.